Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In this episode, we're going to look at practical advice for the young minister. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, episode 34. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. In this episode, we're going to look at practical advice for the young minister. But before we do that, do you want to unleash the power of God's Word? Are you a teacher or preacher who studies and prepares biblical sermons? Or are you a believer simply desiring to dig deeper into Scripture? I want to recommend Logos Bible Software. Go to Logos.com and look at their base packages. Whether you're a new Christian, seasoned saint, or experienced pastor, there are lots of options for you to choose from. I've been a user of Logos for over 10 years now, and I've partnered with them to help you get a discount on a base package. Click the link in the show notes and then enter the coupon code NATE8, Nate8, at checkout. Logos will help you unleash the power of God's Word in your life. In this episode, we're going to uh, look at practical advice for the young minister. Uh, most, most listeners of this podcast are young ministers, but there are others who listen as well, and that's uh, perfectly uh, fine. That's what I want to do, be able to be a ministry to those uh, who want to learn more about God's Word and ministry. But I want to give some advice, uh, some practical advice, some things that uh, sometimes they're taken for granted or perhaps they're not taught uh, by pastors or leaders, and that's okay, that's acceptable. Uh, But I want to help you uh, to have success in your ministry, Uh, and so I want to give you some some practical advice uh, for being a young minister. Number one, be a soul winner. Be a soul winner. Every minister should be a soul winner. Here at our church, at First Apostolic Church of Knoxville, our goal is souls. That's our vision and our mission. We want to win souls. Proverbs says that he who wins souls is wise. That's Proverbs 11 and 30. He that wins souls is wise. We have to use wisdom when we are reaching for the lost, and those who win the lost are wise. We must be soul winners. Whether you are a Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, uh, a worship leader, uh, or a young minister in your church, a lay minister, a deacon, whatever you might be in your church, you need to be a soul winner. Don't just rely upon uh, getting your moment to um, have a platform uh, to preach or teach, but make sure you're winning souls. Now, winning souls looks different for everybody. Not everybody's going to take a Bible study and a chart into someone's uh, kitchen and and set that up and teach a Bible study. Not everyone's going to do that, and that really shouldn't be expected of everybody because not everybody is equipped to do that. But winning souls 
uh, it takes all types of forms and shapes. And we must be able to be soul winners. Whether we are Sunday school teacher or a youth pastor, make sure you're, you're winning the lost, inviting people to church, witnessing to people in your community, inviting friends and family to church, ministering to them, sharing the gospel. Make sure that's always at the forefront of your mind. Don't just uh, rely upon that moment of having a platform to minister, but make sure you're ministering to the person at the gas station, uh, at the restaurant, uh, at the library, at the coffee shop, uh, at school, in your classroom, uh, on the college campus, with your professors, with your teachers, uh, with your parents, wherever it might be that you are, are, are having an influence and you are present, be a soul winner on social media. Be a soul winner. Be a, be a, a, a force of positivity, of sharing the gospel. Um, be a soul winner. As, as, put that at the forefront of of your mind every day. I want to reach the lost. I want to be a soul winner. If you'll do that, if you'll make that a priority in your life, I guarantee the rest of your ministry will flourish. If you'll if you'll put winning souls at the forefront of your life in your ministry, that all I want to do is just reach people with the gospel, you will do that. And let me say this. If you're not winning souls where God has planted you, at your local church, if you're not if you're not winning souls in your local assembly in the community that you are in, you're probably not going to win souls somewhere else, overseas, in another state, at somebody else's church. Well, if I was just there, I could win souls. And listen, you need to be able to win souls and reach people right where God has planted you. Do your best to be uh, an advocate for souls right where the Lord has put you, and that that looks different for everybody. You know, making an impact with somebody to to reach them is more than just simply sharing the gospel, though that is the most important thing. But sometimes it's sending somebody a text message, hey, I'm thinking about you today, I'm praying for you. Or perhaps sending them a handwritten note uh, or a card. We have a, a Sunday school teacher here in our church. She's been doing it for decades. And she's made an impact by sending handwritten notes to all of her students over the years for their birthday, for Christmas, for Easter, seeing that in the mail. That has impacted them. She's had a great influence and a very fruitful ministry. That's winning souls. So whatever that is for you, be a soul winner. Be a soul winner right where you are. So number one, be a soul winner. Number two, practical advice for young ministers. Number two, be a servant. Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Being a minister is the same as being a servant. You serve the church, you serve the leadership, you serve the saints, you serve your community. Jesus said this in Matthew 20 and 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Be a servant. Serve where you are. Serve your local church. If you're not preaching every week, find a way to serve, whether that's in a Sunday school classroom, teaching uh, maybe a discipleship uh, discipleship course or uh, an introduction uh, to the church or introduction into ministries in the church, uh, maybe being an usher, being a part of the praise team, wherever you can serve, whether it's being there to clean up, lock up the church, open the church up, find a way to serve. One of the greatest examples of a servant is one of my dearest friends. He is the youth president of the Apostolic Crusaders, which is the uh, youth division of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, of which uh, I am licensed. And my friend Josh Wilson, who's their youth president, he has he has 
he epitomized being a servant. He has served for years uh, behind the scenes, doing things that nobody else would do. He would set up chairs, go get people water, get people coffee, pick people up at the airport, drive people around, whatever it would be. And he did that not just on a national level, but at his church, he served as pastor. He still serves as pastor, uh, teaching Bible studies, picking people up, reaching out to the homeless. You need to find a way. It, preaching is not the only part of ministry that we are called to do as ministers. We need to make sure that we are serving people, serving our church, uh, serving uh, our pastors, serving people in our community, being being uh, available to serve. Don't just be available to preach. Be available to serve. There's a difference. Uh, those who can learn to serve when no one is looking are those that God will promote publicly. If you'll do this without uh, searching for applause or accolades, if you'll serve, I guarantee the Lord will promote you. He will open doors for you. Uh, serve. Serve. And don't serve with the motive of, I want to be a great preacher. Serve for the purpose and the motive of serving people, just as Jesus did. Jesus, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all the heavens and the earth, he could have come to be served and to be worshipped and to be adored, which he was and would and would later on be. But he said, first of all, Paul writes that he emptied himself and became a servant. And Paul says that we should have this same mind in us as Christ to be servants. So number one, be a soul winner. Number two, be a servant. Serve where you are. And let me again kind of kind of go back and tag into that first one. If you can't serve at your local church, you're not going to serve somewhere else. Okay? It's not, the grass is not greener on the other side. And let me just say this uh, for a moment. If there's not a ministry at your church um, that you see somewhere else, we'll start that ministry at your church. Uh, if there's some, if, if, you know, if I would, if I was at that church across town or across the country, uh, then I would definitely do this. Well, start that ministry at your local church. Talk to your pastor, get their blessing, get their insight, get their leadership, find ways to serve, okay? If it's not happening, make it happen. Uh, if you want to see it happen, do it, epitomize it, live it out, okay? Be a soul winner, be a servant. Then number three, be ethical. Be ethical. Now, there are pastors who listen to this podcast. There are future pastors who listen to this podcast. There are those who will may never be pastors who listen to this podcast. But there's a teaching uh, that's not being taught. Uh, it's and we're taking it for granted. Um, and it's it's something that needs to be taught in all of our churches. Um, and I, I feel to to I talked about this with our young ministers here at our church. Um, and our leadership here has uh, exemplified that and has uh, taught it and preached it. But we need to be ethical. Now, there's a doctrine of Christian ethics that we can we can get into, uh, but that's that's not my focus here. My my focus is being ethical with other preachers and other churches. Now, let me read a scripture. Okay, Romans fourteen and four. Romans fourteen and four says. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. Okay? Now, Paul is saying there are some who are servants to other masters, and it is not our place to judge them because they're not our servants. 
We are not their master. So, speaking present day, there are people who attend churches, who have pastors, who have leaders, and it is not up to us, first of all, if we don't attend that church, if we are not uh, members of that church, if we are not leaders in that church, it is not for us to judge that church and to judge those people and to judge that pastor from the viewpoint of where I'm standing. Because we don't know what's happening at that church. We don't know the ins and outs of the relationships, what's really being taught. And so I listen to it on the internet. I know what they're teaching over there. Again, it's none of your business. That's not what we're here to do. We need to be ethical with one another. We don't need to look at somebody's platform and say, well, I know they're compromised. You don't know what that pastor has taught, what, you know, what someone has been, uh, they've been trying to counsel and help people. There are 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And if a pastor can get 30-fold out of some people who have been giving them zero-fold for years, that's a win for them. And it's not our place to judge that person or that pastor. We need to make sure that we're being ethical with one another and not passing judgment. Well, if I was the pastor of that church or if I was there, I'd tell you what those people would be doing. You don't know what that pastor is doing and you don't know how those people, the context of where they're living. We need to be ethical. Now, with that in mind, being ethical with one another. And this is really important. This is something that we really need to get a hold of uh, in our movement, that if somebody attends a apostolic, Pentecostal, one God, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost-filled, holiness church, if they attend a church and they have a pastor, and you attend a different church, another apostolic, Pentecostal, one God, Acts 2.38 church, if you, you ethically, you should not invite that other person who goes to another truth church to your church. That is being unethical. You are, you, are, you are doing something that is not ethical. That is not right. And let me just say this. If someone uh, were to, in, if, say I would invite somebody from another church. I know their pastor. Uh, I know that they go to another church. And I invite them. I am being unethical. That's not right. Um, we, we, going back to number one, we need to be soul winners, not saint stealers, all right? We need to be soul winners, not saint stealers, okay? That's not how you're going to build a church. That's not how you're going to have a successful church. So let me give you some advice here, uh, and this has been exemplified uh, by my pastor, by my bishop, and the men of God who have taught me and trained me over the years. If someone from another apostolic church who attends another church and they come to your church during either a, a church service that you know they have church at that same time or they come to a different church service at, at, from where uh, their church has or what their church has, here's what you need to do. This is being ethical. You need to call their pastor, text their pastor, get a hold of them and communicate and say, hey, this saint of yours has attended my church this Sunday or this past Sunday, this past Wednesday, they came. Um, I wanted to let you know that they were here. And here's how you can also be ethical if that person would come to your church. Here's how you should address them. You need to ask them, hey, why are you here tonight? Don't you have church? And if they tell you maybe their church service was canceled or perhaps maybe they had something going on, they just had an uh, afternoon service or whatever, you still need to talk to them and say, listen, make sure your pastor knows that you are here. 
I may shoot them a text message and let them know. I may give them a call, let them know that you're here. That's being ethical. Because if that would happen to me, if I was their pastor and they were going somewhere else, I'd want that uh, pastor to communicate with me as well. That's being ethical. Now, let me add this. If that person comes to your church who you know goes to another church, and they've come to your church during a time where you know that they have church services, when you talk to them, make sure you're not doing things or saying things, fishing for them. Oh, how things? How are things over there at your church? Oh, yeah, well, I've been hearing about... Don't do that. Listen, treat others as you want to be treated. I think that's somewhere in the Bible. Don't, don't fish for people. Now, if they're having an issue with their pastor at, a, at, their, at their home church, here's what you should do. You should be a mediator, not a divider. Be a mediator, not a divider. If they say, we're having issues with my pastor, we're having issues at my church, here's what, how you should respond to that. You need to talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your leadership. Have you talked to them? If you haven't, you need to. I'm going to make sure that I can help as best as I can to make sure that that happens. I'm going to call your pastor. I'm going to text them, let them know that you were here and that this is what you said to me, and I want them to get this stuff worked out. Because if you don't do that, you become a divider instead of a mediator. Be a mediator. Be a mediator. Say, listen, I'll help you the best, way I, the best of my ability. Because here's what happens. If we don't do that, we are setting ourselves up for failure. And you're going to get a reputation as being a saint stealer. And people are going to know that's how you've built a church. People are going to know if you've been ethical or not. And let me just say this too. You reap what you sow. If you chase after those people and chase after pe- other people, other pastors, people, you're going to get a bear that you didn't want to catch. And what happens is you think you've caught the big fish. You've got the big, the big money person or whatever, the big talented person. And what you might have caught is nothing but trouble. So the best thing for you to do is to make sure you're being ethical. Be ethical. Be ethical with your local pastors. Be ethical with, listen, I know there are things that happen. People move from out of state. I know jobs getting transfers. But the best thing to do is to be ethical. Make sure all their bases are covered. Always talk highly and speak well of someone else's pastor, whether they move from out of state, they've moved from a different church. Speak highly of them. Listen, I appreciate your pastor. I appreciate, I know that he's a good man. He's got, he's got a great wife. He's got a great church. Because if you do that, they'll do that for you as well. Okay? Be ethical. Another part of being ethical is this. Uh, if you are a young man uh, listening to this, make sure you don't meet with a young lady by yourself, okay? Or any uh, person of the opposite sex by yourself. Try to, if you're single, find somebody who will go with you. Um, uh, maybe it's a, another young lady to meet, or perhaps uh, you bring another friend or meet in a public place of some sort where there's eyes to be uh, on you and you can be accountable. Now, I, would, I wouldn't recommend meeting with somebody of the opposite sex by yourself. Uh, I would probably recommend that you'd say if, if a young lady, or perhaps you're a young lady listening to this and a young man wants to meet with you, say, listen, you need to talk to the youth pastor and his wife or talk to pastor and his wife where they can set it up. I'm not capable of doing that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. The best, that's the, the best way. This is the Billy Graham rule. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence 
uh, spoke about this uh, not too long ago, and of course, uh, they've been um, uh, castigated for that. But the best thing for you to do is to cover all your bases and to uh, be accountable, be ethical. Uh, if you have to meet with somebody, do it in the open. Keep a door open. Don't do it behind closed doors. Or let somebody know that you're meeting with somebody uh, or bring somebody with you if that if it's just absolutely uh, has to happen, okay? Uh, but the best thing to do is to say, wait, I'm bringing somebody, or you need to talk to pastor, talk to a pastor's wife, talk to somebody of, of, of your uh, of your sex. That way, uh, nothing can be said about you, okay? So number one, be a soul winner. Number two, be a servant. And number three, be ethical, okay? Uh, then number four, be faithful with your finances. Practical advice for young ministers. Be faithful with your finances, okay? Uh, p- Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3 and 8, an overseer shouldn't uh, be greedy. We shouldn't be greedy, all right? Now, no matter where you are in your ministry, whether uh, maybe you're a lay minister or Sunday school teacher or a um, maybe youth pastor um, or you're evangelizing or pastoring, make sure uh, that you understand that you are not going to get rich in ministry. Now, you might be thinking right now of mega church pastors, uh, famous Christian authors, famous Christian preachers. Well, let me just go ahead and just tell you this right now. You are not them, and you probably won't be them, all right? Now, you have to understand that in ministry, you are, you are, you're not going to want for anything because the Lord always takes care of His people. But if your main purpose is to get rich in ministry, you are, you're in the wrong profession. You need to go ahead and go to school um, become a lawyer, become a doctor. Go ahead and put in the time. If you want to be, if you want to be rich, if you want to have lots of money, uh, go go to school, become an entrepreneur, uh, go learn about finances on Wall Street. Do anything other than try to be in ministry if you want to get rich. If you want to have lots of money, I'm not saying you're not going to be blessed. We're we are blessed people being in ministry. But if that is your goal, you're in it for the wrong purpose. Just go ahead and invest four to eight years, ten years of your life for good schooling and get a good job and make lots of money and support your local church. Okay, do that. But if your goal is to make a lot of money in ministry, you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be uh, disappointed. All right. But with that said, there are opportunities, and God has blessed ministry uh, to, to, to be a part of, to gain uh, uh, our, our income from, from the work of the ministry. That has been set up through Scripture, old and new, okay? Old Testament, New Testament. But that is not the purpose of what we do. That, that is not the main goal of what we are after. Our main goal, going back to number one, is winning souls, reaching the lost, discipling people. Now, be faithful with your finances. Pay your bills on time. Nobody wants to have a preacher or a pastor or a leader who doesn't know how to pay their bills. Um, uh, make sure you pay your bills on time. Uh, make sure Because you might have people in your town... Um, who know of your financial situation? Maybe you got a mortgage, maybe you got a car payment, um, or you got a loan, and they work at the bank, and they realize that you don't pay your finances. You know what they're not? You know what they're not going to do? They're not going to go to your church, because why would they invest their finances into your ministry if you don't know how to take care of your personal finances? 
Okay, so pay your bills on time. Live within your means. Live within your means. Listen, we need to make sure that we're checking our hearts uh, as ministers and leaders. That we're, you know, there are those who like to wear flashy clothes. I like good clothes. I like looking nice. But listen, you don't have to have the the latest and the greatest and the most expensive. Because um, a number, a few things on this. Your people in the church that you are serving may not have all of that. And make sure that you're not trying to live above them. You, you, you are blessed, and we shouldn't take advantage of what uh, God has blessed us with. Uh, you don't have to have the latest and the greatest. Live within your means, all right? Save your money. Save your money. Learn how to save. Uh, I recommend a couple of books, Dave Ramsey's books on financial freedom, uh, and then a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, those are those are two really good books on finances. You need to read uh, in your ministry. I had a, I had a, an evangelist many years ago before I went to evangelize uh, full time. He taught me a principle. He said, uh, "When you go evangelize, uh, he said you're going to be given a lot." He said, "People are going to take you out to dinner. Uh, they're going to get your hotel room. Uh, they're, they're going to give you an offering." He said, "You're going to have people who will come and give you gifts. Uh, someone's going to cook for you. All those things." And and he said, but here's, what's going to, here's what happens, he said, uh, to many evangelists. And he was evangelist for many years, and he actually still is. He said, what happens is we learn to become takers as evangelists. We learn to become takers, and we never learn to give. And he said, here's what you need to do. To, to ward off that temptation, you need to be a giver. He said, find a home missionary or a world missionary, uh, a foreign missionary. Uh, find somebody that you can support monthly. Find some ministry that you can support monthly. He said, they, obviously, paying your tithe and your offering to your home church, but make sure you find um, some, some missionaries, home missionaries, world missionaries that you can uh, invest in, sow into every month. And right then, that very moment, uh, that very day, I found a missionary to start giving to, uh, even though I wasn't evangelizing, I was working at, at a local church. But that is a principle that I have kept for many years since then, is I try to support missions my, personally. My wife and I support missions every month because we, want, we don't want to just be takers. We want to make sure that we're giving in to the ministry. Find a missionary, whether you are uh, single, whether you uh, don't make a whole lot of money, maybe uh, you're just starting out, find somebody. If it's $5 a month or $10 a month that you can support, uh, support missions, support a missionary, a home missionary, somebody who started a church uh, domestically, someone who's, who's working overseas, find something that you can give into. I guarantee if you will do that, the Lord will bless you. Obviously, tithe and offering. You need to be faithful with your tithes and offering. Uh, you're not going to have a blessed ministry if you don't tithe and offering because the Lord said in, in, that you're going to be cursed with the cursed. Well, you don't want to have a cursed ministry. Actually, you won't have any ministry at all. But if you will be, you will be blessed if you'll learn to give. Give of your tithe and your offering. Let those and, and, and find a missionary. If you'll do that, you'll be blessed. So be faithful um, with your finances, okay? Uh, so the next one, be positive, be positive, be positive. Negativity doesn't have a place in ministry. Be positive. Be positive in person and be positive on social media. Uh, here's, here's what's happened. Uh, our influence has gone beyond our four walls of our local church, and we are now a global, we have global influence. And what I mean by that is social media has opened it up for us to have influence beyond just our uh, you know, our family and friends that we know. But here's what happens. You get online, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, 
and somebody says something and you have to respond, well, you will uh, win 100% of the arguments that you never get involved with. You're going to win those arguments that you never get involved with. But you just understand, I, I, got to de- I got to defend the oneness of the Godhead. I've got to defend Jesus' name, baptism. Great. Do it in your Sunday school classroom. Do it at your local church. Teach your people. Listen, you're not going to change the mind of trolls and negative people and people who are contentious and who are always wanting to argue. You're not going to change their mind, and you're not going to be able to change their mind in 140 characters or less. So make sure you're being positive all the time. Be positive on social media. Don't post passive-aggressive nonsense. Uh, You don't have to respond to every little thing on the internet. Be positive. Be an encourager. Even in in person, be an encourager. Pat somebody on the back and say, hey, you're doing a great job. I appreciate all that you do. Hey, thank you for helping me out with XYZ. Thank you for being here. Be positive. When you're in the pulpit, be positive. Now, let me say this as well. Be positive in the pulpit. Now, there are times when there are things that we have to deal with in preaching and teaching uh, that sometimes it's not going to come across positive. And there's just some things we're going to have to say uh, very straight and, and, and very uh, we're going to have to say it in the best way possible, the best spirit. But we don't have to be mean about it, all right? Be positive. Be positive. People should be edified. People should be exhorted uh, when you're preaching to them. Be positive. As a leader, if you're over a team or if you're over a department, uh, be positive with people. You don't have to be all negative all the time. That's not a Being negative is not a, a sign of holiness or spirituality. It just means you got a bad attitude and you need to go eat some chocolate and have a cup of coffee and get some energy and wake up and change your mood. Uh, pray a little bit. And listen, when you pray, you shouldn't be always be in a bad mood. If you're praying, you should be in a good mood. You've touched the, the, the God of heaven who, and the, 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 the Prince of Peace. He's going to give you peace that passes all understanding. You ain't got to have a bad attitude. Be positive in ministry. Be positive in, in leadership. Be positive in, in serving. Oh, here comes my pastor. Oh, what's he going to ask me? No, here comes my pastor. Lord, what can I do for you, pastor? How can I help the church today? Be positive. If If you'll be positive, I guarantee the doors will open for your ministry. And last but not least, be biblical. Whether you're teaching or you're preaching, whether you are what wherever you might be ministering, be biblical. Paul said it like this: preach the word. Don't preach politics, don't preach opinions, don't preach preferences. Uh, Don't we don't have to get up and preach our pet peeves. Uh, Because what happens is your opinions can change. Over the period of a time, if you have a long, uh, enduring ministry, your opinions are going to change. Uh, times are going to change. But the Word of God is everlasting. It doesn't change. So preach the Word. It doesn't change. Uh, your opinions and your preferences are going to change as you get older. Don't preach your preferences. Don't get up and uh, you have to preach on some kind of candy stick doctrine that you've you've come up with. Uh, be be biblical. Preach the word. Listen, you're going to stir up enough hornets preaching the word of God. Don't add to it. Don't stir up more by preaching some kind of dumb stuff or and 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 some kind of opinion. Because what you do, you're going to make people mad. Listen, people are going. You're not going to make everybody happy preaching the word. But there's no sense in making people mad over your opinion and preference. And don't do this as well. Be biblical. Be biblical. If you say, well, my pastor's not doing it, so I'm going to say it. Don't do that. Your pastor knows what he's doing. 
Make sure you're supporting him. Get up there. If you're if you're not the main pastor, you're not the main preacher at your church, be then when you get up, when they are excited to see you. Your church certain should not dread when you're getting up to preach. Your Sunday school class, your your youth class shouldn't dread you getting behind a pulpit. They should be like, man, I can't wait to hear him tonight. Man, he's he always encourages me. Or she always, she's always has an uplifting word for us. Be biblical. Be positive. Uh, but you're, you're going to help more people that way, all right? Um, and two more things. Don't preach too long. Practical advice for young ministers. Don't preach too long. Bishop McCool says this. Know what you're preaching, but don't preach all you know. All right? Know what you're preaching, but don't preach all you know. Okay, say, listen, I'm preaching for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. I know that we get out at this certain amount of time. And I'm not going to try to. And there are times when the Holy Ghost moves. I understand that. But I've seen, I've seen guys uh, get up and preach, and they get to a point the Holy Ghost is moving, and the Spirit is moving on hearts, and God and and faith is arising. Watch the crowd. If the crowd is going, you feel when they're at that point that someone's going to get the Holy Ghost, or someone's going to get a draw to repentance, or someone they're running to the altar. Know the crowd. Know what's happening. Feel after the Holy Ghost. You don't have to preach that last point. Listen, if it's my pastor, Pastor McCool says, if it's good, it'll keep. You know, let the Holy Ghost move. Don't preach too long. But I've seen people, I've seen guys who let the Holy Ghost move, and, and the Holy Ghost is at that point, and then they just kind of finish their notes. They just kind of finish it. And what happens is that enthusiasm and that spirit of, of, of reception has, has, all, has just kind of just went right out the door. And they can over-preach, they can out-preach what God is wanting to do because they just got to get these three points in. Don't preach too long, all right? Now, know your, know your crowd. Know your crowd, all right? Uh, know your crowd. Uh, don't preach too short either. Don't preach too long, but also don't preach too short. Uh, sermonettes make for Christianettes. All right, have some have some uh, some content with your sermon. Have some content with your lesson. Make sure you're expounding the scripture. Don't just have a topical, you know, just a surface view of the scripture. Dig into it. Show show people what you've seen in scripture. Uh, don't 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 preach too short. Don't preach too long. And that comes with time. You know, you're not going to know. Uh, you're not going to pick up on those signals early in your ministry. I know I didn't. Uh, and, and you're going to learn that the more you do it. But make sure as you're preaching that you're you're feeling after the Holy Ghost, that you're kind of seeing the crowd. Listen, <laughs> listen, if you see people are yawning and people are tired and falling asleep, sometimes that's not an indicator that your sermon's boring. They might have just been working all day and they're tired. Know the crowd. Know the crowd. I was at a conference one time. Uh, I was at a conference one time, and uh, we, there was lots of singing going on, and uh, then they did some kind of um, intermission of some type of uh, honoring somebody, and then uh, they had another praise and worship leader come out to do like five more songs, and when they said that we're going to come out and we're going to do two more songs or three more songs, there was a collective sigh in the room. There was a collective sigh in the room. I mean, people are going, oh. and listen, if, if I was the preacher that night, and I heard at that conference people go, oh, at the last night of the conference, they're tired, they've been in sessions, they're wore out, we already had praise and worship. Ugh. If I'm the preacher, I know, man, this is going, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to be their favorite preacher tonight because I'm preaching 20 minutes, that's it. 
I'm looking at my notes. What can I cut out? I'm looking at my bullet points. How can I make that more succinct? Because these people are tired, and I want to be riding out on their shoulders because they realized he knew we were tired, and that was the best sermon I've ever heard. But instead, I was at that conference, and he preached for an hour and a half. Brothers and sisters, know the room. Know the crowd. Don't preach too short. Don't preach too long. Know the crowd. This is practical advice for young ministers, and I hope to do some more of these episodes on the Cut It Straight podcast. Thanks for listening. Go back, check out the archives, listen to more of these, share them with your friends. Also, I've got another podcast called the Biblical, uh, the Bible Exposition Podcast. You can find that on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google. Listen to that where I'm going through scriptures, teaching the Word of God. Thanks for joining in on the Cut It Straight podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, episodes, and articles, go to my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at nswhitley, and be sure to go to my Facebook page, nswhitley.com.